the older they get, you get, they tell you you have less time, like there's less hours in the day and minutes in the hour. And it's interesting that since I've heard that, it's I feel that. I feel like time is of the essence and that if we're given this one opportunity to be on earth and I've seen how short life can be and how we should 100% embrace every opportunity and why not experience everything that is uh, available to us and as you just previously mentioned you know being open to it and being available to it as well um, I truly believe that anything is possible Welcome to the Self Love Podcast, the show that helps crack open your heart and inspire a deeper regard for your own well-being and happiness. Proudly brought to you by 28 Essentials, here's your host, the gorgeous Kim Morrison. Welcome to this week's Self Love Podcast, a beautiful, very special guest on the show this week, Deb Badaglini Clark used to be the owner and manager and marketing director for the BOQ in Maroochydore. The Bank of Queensland was a multi-award-winning full-service bank and a beautiful bank with a heart. She was the co-owner of this business since 2007 with her former and past husband, the gorgeous Laurie Clark. Many of Debbie's roles have been involved in marketing, event managing, strategic development, finance, and HR, in effect, all of the business functions other than operational aspects of actual banking. But this beautiful soul is also incredibly proud to note that her success has come through her ability to connect with her community. She has been very much involved in different various corporate events and has been a big part of many fundraisers and on many boards and many things where she herself has contributed to wonderful charitable organizations, their success, their wins, and everything in between. On a personal note, this beautiful soul is one of my dearest friends, and she says some of her greatest achievements to date are that of her three beautiful children. Addison, Sophia, and James, after five IVF attempts. She has a remarkable story and how she has come back from the brinks of despair, grief, sorrow, and all the things in between. You're going to love her attitude to life. You're going to love her outlook, her perspective, and her beautiful, unbelievably kind and generous heart. Debbie has been through hell and back, And I know you're going to relate very deeply to her story. And it ends with a beautiful outcome where she has met the new love of her life, a beautiful man, Cole, where we get to share her experience and how, as I said, she's basically risen from the ashes a number of times. Her story is inspirational. Her heart is even more than inspirational. And I'm proud to say she's one of my dearest friends. I know you're going to enjoy this week's self-love podcast with the gorgeous Deb Badaglini. As you know, one of my greatest joys is interviewing beautiful souls, sharing their stories, and then allowing us each to see ourselves in those stories and then to learn from them and hopefully hopefully integrate them into our worlds. Beautiful Debbie Badaglini, what an honor to have you on the self-love podcast. Welcome, my dear friend. Oh, lovely to uh, be chatting to you this morning, Kimmy. You know, we've gone back a long, long way. We've known each other well over a decade. We've been at many functions together. We've enjoyed many corporate events. We've done very social, beautiful things personally. But for the listener, I know that they're going to get to hear our beautiful friendship throughout this. Could you give us a brief background story as to who you are, what led you into the world that you work in, what you live for, and who you actually are as a gorgeous human? Could you give us a little background on you? I would love to share that with you and your listeners, Kim. Um, I started as a wee um, little thing in Canberra. I was born and raised in Canberra for the first 10 years and um, moved around a fair bit. I've been to about 18 different schools, all told. Um, Lived from uh, Canberra to Sydney, Sydney to 
Queensland, then back to Sydney and Canberra, moved around a fair bit with mum and dad and my beautiful sister Tanya, who's 18 months younger than I am, eventually settled um, in Queensland. So I do call Queensland my home. Um, I've lived in Melbourne and uh, New Zealand, um, in Auckland, which I've had the great pleasure of spending quite a few years in um, doing some incredible work um, across in that beautiful country. Um, and uh, then eventually had my first child in Melbourne back in 2007, saw an opportunity then to um, move into the world of banking. Um, my late husband uh, was banker. He was with Commonwealth Bank for 35 years, and we had this wee bub and thought, what are we doing in Melbourne? Um, dropping her off in the dark and picking her up in the dark at, uh, for work. So we uh, had this opportunity to buy one of the BOQ franchises. And I guess that's sort of where our world has predominantly been here on the Sunshine Coast, um, raising Addie. And then not long after she was born, about two years later, we had our gorgeous little twinnies, James and Sophia. So we've got a lovely family of five, uh, three little dashies, um, a little goldfish called Bobby. Um, and as you well know, my um, beautiful hubby, uh, Laurie Clark, passed away um, a few years ago now. And, um, yeah, we've battled through and I'm really excited to say quite a few years later from that, we've also found someone else wonderful in our lives. And um, we're getting married in November, of which you're going to be our amazing celebrant for. So life, I guess, has come full circle for us in many different ways. Um, and I guess I'm a, a product of um, showing that, you know, you can eventually find happiness again and um, do that all with a, with a smile on your face and with love and grace in your heart. Oh, it's such a beautiful message. You know, so many of us, sweetheart, get faced with life-changing events I'll never forget the day we got the news of Laurie's illness and just how it knocked not only you guys, obviously for six and in such a huge way, but you realize how much people that are loved so dearly, it affects the rest of their lives and has and will for the rest of our lives. He was a beautiful soul. If there was one thing you could say about Laurie Clark, well, how would you describe your beautiful husband, your first husband? How would you describe him? Gosh, I don't think I could stop at one thing. Um, as you know, he was just such an um, honourable human being. Um, and I would say to anyone um, that when Laurie spoke, he was one of the only people, one of the few only people that I have in my life that I would stop and listen because anything that actually came out of Laurie's mouth would um, be well thought through. He just was a... Such a respectful, loyal, um, gracious, intelligent, um, gentle, genuine um, human being. Like he was just an amazing father to his kids, brother to his um, siblings, son to his parents, and a, and a truly beautiful husband to me. I, I you know, I'm, I cherish the, the ground that Laurie walked on. Um, yeah, he, he and, and I think to this very day, I still say. Um, when faced with a, ver a, a challenge or a decision I have to make, I still ask myself the question, what would Laurie do? What would Laurie say? Like he just, um, yeah, was just such a, a wise, really wise, smart um, human being. Yeah, and so beautiful to honour him. And I think one of the most beautiful things I love most about you beautiful Addie, James and Sophia is your continual celebration of him and honouring of him, which I think you'll both, uh, you know, we'll both agree here that it's maybe because of Laurie that he allowed this beautiful soul Cole to walk into your worlds. Talk to us a little bit how you first of all managed the loss of Laurie. I mean, there is so much to be said for grief and the process of it. Before we talk about the gorgeous coal, how did you navigate your way through that with such young children? You were working, you guys had a business. You, I mean, it really was a harrowing time for you. Could you tell us some of the things that you did in order to get up and breathe or what kept you breathing through that time? Hmm, such a good question. And um, we had so much great support around us. I will say that um, first up, amazing family. I've got a beautiful sister-in-law, an amazing sister, um, some beautiful best friends who literally ran, you know, moved in with us and, and, and helped us. But 
I think the wisest piece of advice I got was when Laurie was, um, when we were told at the very end of, of his life um, that we really only just had days to go. And I remember the head of oncology nurse said to me, she pulled me to the side. The kiddies had already gone home. Laurie had already said his goodbyes. And she said to me, what are you going to do? And I said, my first instinct is I'm going to home and we're going to pack up the house and we're going to move to Italy. We're just going to go over there for 12 months and we're just going to let the dust settle. And she looked at me and then she shared some of her personal story and she said, if I could just give you some advice off the record, she said, your children need stability and consistency. And she said, if you whip them out of the world that they know, keeping in mind that their world's already turned upside down, that she feared for what? that would look like for them um and I really listened because the first thing I wanted to do was pack and run and um when she said to me you know you really need to make sure that what they're seeing is what they know their same friends the same school the same routine their family their dogs their pets etc etc um it just made sense to me and I guess because my upbringing um you know we were always on the road I sort of saw nothing wrong with that except I didn't deal with the same level of trauma as my kitties so I guess once I made that decision that we were staying I then just wrapped my family so tightly in a bubble and we really became hermits for the first 12 months after Laurie passed away we also moved house we sold our business um we were still in the same community, so we still had that you know the love and support of our beautiful friends um but I really just bunkered down um I really also was under this view that unless I had something positive to add or to contribute to a conversation I just didn't feel like I should be a part of one and it did take me a good 12 months um and I feel because I'm such a giving person unless I could truly give in that moment whether it was a conversation or another friend or family that was going through a hard time I was better off just not contributing and just trying to focus on me and the kitties and survival it really felt like for the first 12 months I was in survival mode I had this amazing GP that I would see fortnightly I would just check in with her um, she she also gave me some invaluable advice um, I'm such a perfectionist and you know I wanted to do um, what I could possibly always do um, myself without asking for help and she said Deb just one day a week it is okay to get takeaway and it was just a light bulb moment for me I'm thinking what so I don't have to go to the you know the supermarket buy groceries and cook for my kitties I can actually have a night off and it was little pieces of advice like that that really helped me along the way um, you know I had yourself that would constantly check in with me um, I had a, a, another beautiful friend Min Swan and she would just find all these amazing pieces of information and send them through about grief and what that journey looked like um, how to navigate it and what to expect from it and uh, they were real um, pearl moments too because I knew what I was going through was quite normal I just had to come out the other side so with the grace and love of my kids and they are amazing kids um, and my closest family and friends yeah we, we got to the other side and um, yeah here we are today um, you know I'm a firm believer of what doesn't kill you makes you stronger and there were times that I just did not want to leave my home and I would bury myself in um, my pillow but at the same time every day I got both of my feet out and um, of bed because I knew I had to keep doing it for the kids um, Laurie was a marathon runner he'd actually run marathons all across the world I couldn't ever understand why people would run and I used to watch him run out of our house at Rosemount up and down Snake Gully and think why would you do that that sweat it's just disgusting and the dogs would lick his legs and I think oh anyway when Laurie passed away, the thing that I think he handed me was his running wings. And um, I, I think that's what saved me, that ability to be able to just get up and go for a run. And I really understood what that looked like, that downtime, to be able to think that time on your own. I literally would put duck um, sunnies on and a cap and um, just felt like that was my time, that hour every morning. And to a large extent, I think that's what really helped me. I got fit. My, I was mentally stronger. Emotionally, I was able to manage life with three young kitties raising them. Um, and then I, were, I found myself in a space that I could listen to what others were saying. And I felt like I could move back into that space of being able to help others and what they were going through I really wanted to get back involved with the world again so I very much thank Laurie for giving me his um I guess his running shoes 
That's so beautiful. And I can honestly say it's my greatest stress release. As you know, we've talked many times about my love of running and Laurie's love of running. So I just, yeah, I'm really, I think it's that space, that time away from the world where no one can get you, isn't it? It is. Well, and I remember I used to send you photos of hills when I'd say, like, get halfway up the hill and send you the first half of the hill. And then I'd get to the very top of the hill and send you the two parts of the hill. And then I'd have to say, I've done both hills. Um, yeah, I, I just, I have so much respect for people that um, now can get out and run. Like, I really, truly understand the love of that space. Yeah, it's special. Do you know, just uh, could you just explain to us then, how did you handle, I know sometimes our children can be the greatest um, the greatest reason to continue through challenging times and they can be the cause and the absolute desire and need to keep going. But what about you personally? After owning a bank, running charitable organisations, being a big part of organisational events and being such a positive part of our community here on the Sunshine Coast, where did Deb find herself again? How did she find herself? Did you ever feel you lost yourself through those times when you had to sell the business? How did you navigate that part of you? Um, well, I, I, that's a really good question. And many years ago, I um, was fortunate enough to be um, nominated for the Business Women's Awards for the Sunshine Coast. And I remember going through that process of having to complete a piece of information that talked all just about you. It wasn't about us or the team. Um, and I remember thinking this was a really challenging time for me because I've always been very team orientated and Laurie and I were very much part of the business together. So to have to write and put together um, a, 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 um, a CV, if you like, of who you are and what you contribute was a real eye-opener for me. But at the same time, I stopped thinking about what... Um, who I was in terms of I actually have to be someone outside of just the work, you know, of the bank, of the brand. And I learned a real valuable lesson back then that when you stop doing what you do, who who are you? And um, it really made me self-reflect on that time. Like I'm a mum, I'm a great friend, I'm a contributor to the community, I love doing charity work. Yes, I'm good at my business, but that's not what um, makes me who I am and what makes me tick. And I think through that period of um, selling the business and really hibernating at home, it gave me a chance to really also reflect on who I was and what I had to offer. And I think the single biggest, most monumental um, point for me was to say my biggest job here is to be a mum first. Um, but ahead of that, I had to put myself first and I had always put myself last. I had always put myself behind my husband. I'd put myself behind my kids. I'd put myself behind my friends, my family, even to the point where I remember I used to get everybody else ready to walk out the door and they'd all look a million bucks and then I'd be standing like I wouldn't have even had time to blow dry my hair and I'd be putting makeup on in the car. And I think after losing Laurie, I realised that if I didn't put myself first, my health first, uh, my sanity first, I was not going to be good for my, for my family and especially for the kiddies. So I think that the lesson that I learned back then was that self-preservation is paramount, especially when you're on your own, you know, as a single mum raising three kids, running a household, um, just having the ability to be able to um, cope you know, witching hour is, you know, one of those times that all mums either love or hate. And I can't, I haven't met too many mums that love it. Um, just to get through that hour and a half every afternoon, and, you know, was, was difficult. So I think putting time aside for us busy women, and for me, it was that hour in the morning going for a run, it just set me up for the day and also, you know, created a great platform for health. So I think that's one of the biggest lessons um, that I've learned. Yeah, well, it makes sense. And I love the fact that you say self, self-preservation self is paramount. On that note, how would you then describe self-love? What is your definition of self-love? Yes, well, and I guess, you know, I've for a big part of my life, I've been such a perfectionist. You know, everything in my life has been black or white. If I can't do it well, I won't do it at all. And again, when I was going through that process of, of the Business Women's Awards, and I remember one of the questions back then was, you know, can you have it all? And I really thought long and hard about that. And, and my firm belief is and continues to be, you can have it all. You just can't have it all at the same time. So 
to be present, 100% present at the time that you might be exercising or 100% present in the time that you're enjoying that food, to be 100% present when you're having that conversation with your child or on the phone to your friend, just let it be in that in that space and not try and be multitasking, you know, 10 or 12 other things at the time. You certainly can have it all, but you actually have to have it at different times. And you can have five or six things all going at once, but just on the thing that you're actually focused on, like I am now with you, I'm 100% focused on this conversation. And I think that's paramount. And I think the older you get, you realise that time is of the essence. So making sure that whatever you're doing during that time that you're present actually counts too. Um, we have a, a saying in our house, we just don't do drama. I just don't enjoy it. I, I, I talk about it all the time with my kitties, that it's just really wasteful um, energy and that when we're actually doing anything at all, we just want to make sure that it always counts. So, yes, yeah, self-love for me is um, just being present, being 100% present in whatever it is that you're doing at the time. So true. I want to ask you then, as a mum of two daughters and a son, um, how does it feel then? What do you think is the greatest um, gifts you can give to them? Is it being yourself? Is it all of these things that you're talking about? We know parenting is not easy and our children will have been sent to us to challenge us on many different levels. And, and the same, they've chosen us perhaps for many different reasons to learn many other things. How do you think or what do you think is the most important part about being yourself through parenthood? Mm. I definitely think open communication, like I, to be a good parent for me is actually being able to have any conversation with your kids at any time, however difficult the topic might be, the challenging times that you're going through, what their peers are doing. Um, I just always feel that if you can actually have open conversations, nothing's um, off limits. Um, things that we, when we were raised, you know, 40, 50 years ago and the taboo subjects, these are very much subjects that are front of mind for kids today. They have so much access to this world online and what they're experiencing and what they're seeing and what they class as being normal is far from what we would have experienced or have grown up with. So for me, it's just always having open communication with my kids and saying, I'm here 24 seven. We're not always going to get it right. Another favourite saying in our house is, um, you know, your integrity means everything and the worst trait you can have as a human being is to be a liar. So just always tell the truth. I'm not always going to be happy about it, but I'm going to be a lot um, more upset if you if I find out that, you know, what you're telling me isn't the truth. So for me, integrity um, is everything in this household and I think the kiddies know that. They're certainly... To, um, you know, cross the line, and um, but I think wholeheartedly they know who they are as human beings, and um, you know what they want to stand for. Um, I also know that kids' jobs are to push the boundaries, and our jobs are to pull them back into line, and it's that constant tug of war. So I know, you know, I've got a fourteen-year-old and, and twin ten-year-olds, so I've still got quite a few years ahead of me of probably seeing more things that I didn't think I would actually have to experience as a parent. Um, and I guess it's just equipping yourself with as much information and have, having as many conversations as you can with their peers, parents, and um, I guess getting a bit of a gauge for what else is going on out there too. So I, I guess just keeping an open mind and um, being open and communicative with your kids. Yeah, and I think also talking to other parents, other friends that have been through it. And I know yesterday when we were having a conversation, you just said, I feel like I'm living through what you went through all those years ago. And I think sharing those parts of us as adults, my grandmother always said, Debs, if you can laugh about this in one to five years time, it's not that bad. Mm -hmm. And I must admit every story I've ever shared about Jacob over eight years of podcasting and any story I've told about Taylor over eight years with every one of them has become almost laughable like it is it you get through it at the time though it feels harrowing or huge or whatever what would be your one piece of advice in open communication but what would you also say if one of the you know if a child could hear this what would you want your children or other people listening to this children hear how can they show up in their best way if you're going to deliver with that open communication 
Well, I think always just to be honest, you know, whether they like to hear the information or not, whether they agree with it or not, I think you've always just got to be honest and true to yourself because if you start to be someone that you're not or you take on another parent's style, um, I think it's important to take on a lot of information. And you're right, gosh, I remember years and years of, of conversations that you and I've had in terms of your two beautiful kids growing up. And I look at them today and I think, wow, there is massive hope, um, you know, for, for all parents out there. You know, and you went through some pretty challenging times and I see your two beautiful kids today and I guess that gives me a lot of hope knowing that we will get through this so I think just being honest be who you are you can't be someone that you're not your kids see straight through that anyway and you've just got to be consistent consistent with your message consistent with your love consistent with your cuddles um you know I still I still cuddle and kiss my son every night and try to attempt to hold his hand um when we're walking down the street but um yeah I just think love connection and um consistency consistency of message is is paramount for kids yeah that's I really honor that look I want to go back just back in your life um we both know that you've been through some tough times growing up particularly around your mum talk to us about how you have also maybe used what you learned through that time to also perhaps get you through this challenging time that you've been through could you explain to us a little bit about how that was for you growing up and what you've also been through? Hmm. Well, yeah, my, my beautiful mum, who I always put on a pedestal, she um, raised my sister and I for many years on, on her own, um, financially supported us, moved us around. She built homes for us. Um, you know, we, we went to some great schools Um and, and, you know, she, she struggled a lot. Um, she had quite a few um, mental health um, issues that my sister and I um, were exposed to at such an early age. And I feel like she always wanted to be this tower of strength um, for my beautiful sister, Tanya, and I. Um, she worked. She had her own businesses. Um, yeah, we, we very much looked up to, to her. So I think my takeaway from my mum would be that, and, and I think, you know, a lot of women, well, a lot of people, you know, tend to look for a partner to be able to, 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 be able to support them through. And I love having my partner by my side helping me and, you know, sharing information and sharing ideas. But I also know that you've got this inner strength that you can pull out and you can cope with the world. We come in on our own. We're going to leave on our own. And I think my mum showed me that anything is possible. You know, you can do it on your own. And um, it's so much nicer when you've got a partner to do it um, with. Um, but, you know, from, from a small kitty's perspective, to see your mum be so strong and um, be able to cope through some pretty awful um, and challenging times, I guess gave me the inspiration to know that it is actually possible. As she went through her life, though, being that strong soul and being that source of support to you, obviously with her mental health issues, at one point it cracked, though. Mm. How did you deal with that? Um, yeah, look, that, that, was a, that was an interesting time frame too. I, I actually had moved to um, New Zealand. I was over there for uh, two and a half years and um, my mum had just come back from Greece and she was living in Melbourne. So she, I would be on the phone to her. She had a pretty awful um, experience while she was in Greece with some medication. And unfortunately, it probably was what was the tailspin that led to her demise. Um, she it just, it, the, the one medication that she's on just didn't work with the other. And um, her life was spiralling. Uh, I was on the phone to her every second night and I'd actually spend hours on the phone propping her up um, and then I'd ring the next day to, to, to make sure that she was actually able to get out the door only to find that, you know, she was back to where she was. So it was it was a really difficult time. I guess when my mum, when I got that, that call um, while I was in New Zealand, she was in Melbourne to say that she had... Um, taken her own life I guess it didn't come as a big shock to me it definitely um was tragic and um I was extremely devastated and distraught and upset but it wasn't like I wasn't I didn't see it coming at some stage and interestingly enough at the time I was working in New Zealand for a youth suicide prevention organization and I had only just that week completed an online kids helpline course um many of our 
regional coordinators across New Zealand were having to take calls from very worried parents or peers of kids that were experiencing some pretty challenging times. It was almost, again, as if the universe had set me up to take that course on to be able to navigate my way through uh, that really awful period um, of losing my mum. At the same time, I also felt that she was in a place of peace because she had been in such an awful um, space um, for so long. And um, I guess, you know, she, she was at an age, she was uh, able to make her own decisions. She had felt like she'd raised her two daughters. Um, you know, she'd had a great business and, and, and a great career. She was just very unhappy. Um, so she ultimately chose her, her, her final destination. And, um, yeah, we, we said goodbye to our mum on the 13th of June 2001. Um, it was an awful awful time to have to fly back to Australia and and bury my mother. My sister again was amazing and quite stoic throughout that period but I just know she's at peace um, after going through such an awful time and I miss her and I I wish she'd got to meet my kitties. Um, Yeah, I I think if I was to look back now and feel what have I really missed out on, it was really that connection between my children having their nana or nonna um, be here for them today and, you know, get to meet her and how wonderful she was. What do you think then in, in life that we go through these experiences and then are you amazed and remarked at how other people show up in those places, in those spaces, in ways you never imagined? How do you think that they've had that role fulfilled? Maybe not necessarily as grandparents, you can never absolutely fill that role, but how has your community stepped in or how have you created space for that community to step in and still show your kids what a loving tribe and family unit looks like? Mm. Um, Again, another great, great question. And to this very day um, and from the day that um, Laurie passed away, in places like his final resting place, which is up at the beautiful Cullingore Cemetery, I have very much made that space a space that we share with family and friends so that my kids know that in times of grief um, or sadness or tragedy, you don't have to be alone going through these periods. You can actually do it with the love and grace of your family and friends and that it's okay to be upset and cry and be vulnerable in that space and know that your family and friends aren't going to judge you. Um, they're there just to support you. Um, for, you know, when we had Laurie's funeral, um, you know, we took up probably 30 people with us um, post the church service and we just sort of sat in that space. And since then, you know, for Laurie's first year anniversary, you know, we uh, had our had, had you know you, you and Danny were there um, you know we had some great friends Dean and Flick there Dino got the guitar out Anthony Walsh had a few words we set some um, you know beautiful dubs free and my kids were a part of that we had balloons you know we just make that space a happy space again so that yes people will come and go in our lives um, in one fashion or another it's how we respond to those situations rather than be reactive it's how we respond to those situations and know that any challenge that we have in our lives, there is always a way that you can push through and, um, you know, that there is always someone in your corner that you can talk to and knowing full well that if they haven't been through something very similar, um, that they will always understand and be there to support you. So I think for me, I have always very much counted on family and friends and I think that's ultimately what's got us through too and that no problem is too big and that always problem shared is a problem halved you actually just feel so much better to get it out of your head and um you know into talking to someone else and you don't expect them to solve it you just want to be able to share i guess you know some of your life experiences and um know that you know what what you're going through is okay and that you will get out the other side and that I have always and, and continually see that no matter what you're going through, there is someone else out there that's always going through as bad, if not worse, a position, and they will come through it too. So I um, very much know that life is um, never uh, an easy course. It's going to have lots of different twists and turns, but it's very much how we respond to those situations. And we can't always get it right. And, and again, I have had to let go of perfection over the years, especially when you've got three kids 
Um, it's just not perfect. You just have to, again, be present in that space, in that decision and at that time. What would you say then to someone? I mean, you're a remarkably strong woman, an individual, someone who has worked on herself and chosen to continue to work on herself with all different th- sorts of therapy, personal growth, all sorts of things. I mean, it seems so simple and logical as you say that, yet for many people, they seem to get in their own way. So for someone really struggling, wanting to have these beliefs, thoughts and feelings that you're saying, how do you go when you're so fixated or so stuck in the, 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 the hideousness of it? How do you how do you step out of that to, to grow beyond it, to then think so beautifully and maybe even esoterically around your own growth through these problems? How can we do that? Again, I think it comes back to, well, for me, it came back to getting out of the house, getting into the sunshine or getting out into the fresh air and just giving yourself that space. And even on the hardest of days where I thought I just don't have a run in me, I knew that if I didn't get out of the house, I would just stay in my head for the whole day. So if I got out and just said I just need to go for a walk, I just needed some clear space to be able to think, knowing also that, you know, from a chemical perspective, those happy endorphins or some level of endorphins are going to be better off for you actually stepping out of the house and um, getting back into the open space. Now, I had young kids too, and I know a lot of other uh, people out there are saying, well, how do I do that if I've got young children? Pop them in the pram give them a scooter, you know, pop them on their bikes just as long as you're getting some space out in um, the sunshine or out with fresh air. doesn't matter where you are, whether it's a, a, a footpath, a park, a, a beach, um, as long as you're getting outside, it can make the biggest difference. That would be my single best piece of advice I can give you is get out into the fresh air and watch those endorphins fly. And the second piece of information would be is Find yourself a really good GP or, or someone that you can love and trust. Um, I think from uh, you know that has got some sort of a medical background because you're going to need to check in with them. You're going to need to set an appointment up fortnightly, and I did that. And every fortnight, I would check in. I didn't need anything. I didn't need prescriptions filled at that stage. Um, I didn't have a sore that I needed fixing, or um, you know, a, 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 a bursitis that I needed a a, a, um, a shot for. I just really felt like I needed someone outside my little square as well that could look at me from a real. A, independent perspective and give me sometimes information that I didn't always like to hear as well I think it's paramount you get the space that you need on a daily basis if not every second day but just try and get out there every day and secondly find yourself someone when your kitties are at school or they're at um, daycare that you can just go and chat to if it's for 15 minutes every second week it is empowering that level of information that you can actually receive and um sometimes can be life-saving. Yeah, I agree. We know that you have gone through all of these things and there was no accident when we both worked out that the youth suicide you were working for back in New Zealand was run by a gentleman called Dean Lonigan, mm-hmm. who there's no accident when we met over here on the Sunshine Coast years later, you discovered that he's actually my cousin. Yeah. And I mean, I just think sometimes, you know, there's such bizarre synchronicities and incredible coincidences I want to ask you, do you believe in synchronicity and coincidences or do you believe that what you can project actually can become a reality? And what I'm alluding to is how we had the beautiful coal walk into your life. What do you think about synchronicity? What do you think about coincidence? And then how have you found this coincidental occurrence where this man has arrived? Well, I'm a firm believer of what you put out in the universe, you get back. You know, I'm not a believer in bad karma. I'm a believer in good karma. You know, you do good and the good's going to get paid back tenfold. Um, for me, I always like to have an approach of it. It's positive. And um, I think for me, when I think about Dean Lonigan, in fact, when you were talking before about people popping into your life and um when I got that call um, that night about my mum passing away and I was right in the midst of a massive event with Dean in um, New Zealand called The Fight for Life, which was a staged boxing match um, to raise significant funds for youth suicide prevention. And Dean, as you would well know, being a former rugby player, rugby league player, 
he's just a massive, I would call him unit, just a big, big boy. Um, and I remember him sitting on my couch and I had this little miniature dash hound called Sally. And uh, I remember her, she wasn't allowed on the couch, but I remember her climbing up and I was sitting on one side and Dean was sitting beside me and he had no idea what to do or say or whether to cuddle me or not. And I remember Sally realizing that she needed to make the connection. She's jumped on the couch on Dean's lap. She's got one paw on me, the rest of her body sitting on him and just giving him the puppy eyes as if to say, you're doing the right thing here, Dean. Like this is exactly what she needs. Um, and uh, yeah, lo and behold, however many years later, what's that? Uh, eight years later, you and I meet, and um, and of course, I got to meet your and adore your husband and, and kids as well. But I, I do believe that people come into your life for a reason um, or a season, and I feel that they potentially can serve um, you in whatever way it is that you need at the time. And um, I personally believe that my amazing fiancé, um, who I'm getting married to in November, was handpicked by Laurie. I 100% firmly believe that, that he, Laurie just looked at potentially, you know, what, what suitors may have been around there, not just for me, but for my three kids, knowing full well how young they were and that they needed a really good role model um, for the rest of their lives. And I, I firmly believe that he got his running shoes on and he ran the whole world. And lo and behold, um, Cole, who only lived five streets away, um, was handpicked by Laurie. I felt like he just knew exactly who it was that we needed, that his personality, his calmness, his ability to be able to have the energy to play and muck around with the kiddies. Um, so... I'm not sure about coincidences, but I definitely feel the strength of the universe knows what you need at what at what time, and it will only ever give you what you can handle. And I know when I first moved into the house we're now residing in, and we had lots of different problems with this house, and I remember thinking, why does this keep happening? We've already gone through enough. We've just sold the business. We've had to move a house. The day we actually had our final inspection on our property at Rosemount was the day of Laurie's funeral. You know, I was making beds in the morning, vacuuming floors, trying to shuffle my kids into, you know, their Sunday best to, to you know, to look amazing for their dad's last day here. And um, it was like things just kept throwing themselves at me and I kept thinking, what is going on here? And it took me some time to realise Laurie was throwing all these different things at me to keep me busy so that I didn't have too much time to actually just sit and worry I guess and and be stressed in um in a really difficult and challenging um situation so I I firmly believe that the universe is paramount in our future and that our destinies are ahead of us they're already pre-mapped out um it's sometimes the sliding door moments which door are you going to sort of walk through but yeah I firmly believe that the the universe gives us um and shows us what we need at the time if we're willing to listen, right? Correct. The amount of times I've heard of people saying, oh, you, just, you know, so many people, other people seem to get the opportunity, but the opportunities are always there. It's just whether or not we're open to, willing to, or available to actually see that opportunity. So that's something that I'd really like to bring back to you, though, because as much as you say that, I do believe you have to be an active participant in actually seeing that. So um, that's something that I've always looked up to and admired in you and I've always found is something that I hope I'm like as I get older and grow up hopefully um, will be something that I get to share alongside of you that we always look for those beautiful opportunities and be be ready for them so speaking of Cole and now we're moving towards a wedding which we are all so excited about in the whole scheme of your life, we're both 68 babies. We've been on the planet together 53 years. Your birthday is approaching as well as your wedding. What would you say has been the most beautiful thing that's come out of this COVID experience, this whole time of you changing, growing and developing and now moving towards this beautiful time in your life? How has that happened in your humble opinion? And what would be your advice to others to look forward to those moments? Mm. Oh, yeah, that's a really good question as well. I think 
the older they get, you get, they tell you you have less time, like there's less hours in the day and minutes in the hour. And it's interesting that since I've heard that, it's I feel that. I feel like time is of the essence and that if we're given this one opportunity to be on earth and I've seen how short life can be and how we should 100% embrace every opportunity and why not experience everything that is uh, available to us and as you just previously mentioned you know being open to it and being available to it as well um, I truly believe that anything is possible as long as we have um, the openness to be able to explore um, different opportunities. And I didn't think after meeting my amazing Laurie Clark that I would ever be given the opportunity to find love or find someone that would take on a woman that has uh, menopausal, you know, like I'm not going to lie there, you know, going through the highs and lows of, of full menopause, going through a, a condition called trigeminal neuralgia. I have three kids at the time, you know, they were all under 12 years of age when I first met Cole, three dogs and a goldfish. I used to joke, what man would take this on? And um, I also wasn't sure that I was being disloyal to Laurie as well. Um, this man that I had planned on marrying and being with for the rest of my life, I didn't see, uh, you know, where we picked our home at Rosemount, I saw the grandkids, you know, jumping on the, the kids' old trampoline out there. I had never in my wildest dreams, figured that I wouldn't be spending the rest of my life with um, Mr. Clark. So when I decided that I felt like I wanted a partner to share my life with, it wasn't just about making that decision for myself. I then had to also take into account the three kids and a man that would take on not just one dog but three dogs and a woman that suffers from a chronic painful condition. So I would say to anyone out there that if you feel that there is not another person out there that's going to love you for who you are and accept you for all warts and all, that my firm belief is just keep looking. There is always someone out there that's going to be your um, soulmate. And it's not easy. You have to work at it. It's not a bed of roses. Um, you know, when, when you take on someone when you're in your 50s, you take on with their baggage as well. And I'm so fortunate that um, Cole has got an amazing family and amazing kids, amazing workplace, his own business uh, with amazing clients. Um, he is a great person. We certainly have had our ups and downs. Who wouldn't when you're raising, you know, young kids and going through teenage pressures and menopausal hot night sweats and whatever else? Um I, I think sometimes you've also just got to take your foot off the pedal and um, stop and smell the roses and know that uh, it is okay to not have to be in the jungle of living what you believe is juggling 20 different balls at any given time is to actually take your foot off the pedal and just sort of sit back and just enjoy life for a change. It will be okay. The universe is still out there um, and it will be available to you tomorrow, but it is every now and again okay to actually sit back and just enjoy and watch everything unfold and know that it is all meant to be. Mm. Whatever you're going through is meant to be. Yeah. What do you think now through COVID, how have you navigated that part of your life with all of this and the kids and what's your perspective on the future when it comes to this whole thing around our new way of living? How has that impacted on you guys? Mm. I think the biggest disappointment for us with COVID is not being able to see family, as you would well know, you know, with Danny travelling overseas and uh, it's not like he could just jump on tomorrow's flight and be home the next day. You know, he has to go through two weeks, you know, worth of quarantining and, you know, we've got family that are, uh, we're very close to my sister and Cole's daughter and then Cole's um, siblings are living in Melbourne. You, you just don't have that connection, that ability to be able to jump on a flight and be with them regardless of what they might be going through. So, I feel that for us, COVID, if anything, has created a closer connection to family because you're more inclined to sort of stay in touch. Um, I think everyone across, you know, the world feels, you know, that travel has been pulled out from underneath them. And, you know, I was talking to someone only last week about going into their retirement phase as a husband and wife and thinking, well, now they get to explore the world. And then it was like, well, what now is our next step? And, again, I, I, I feel 
that here potentially is an opportunity where, again, we can stop and smell the roses. Why do we have to be busy all of the time? Why can't we just sit back and enjoy our families or our friends or those that are closest to them? They probably are the biggest and most important things to me is family and friends. So I think navigating COVID is a real chance to sort of stop, you know, that the, the universe, if you like, has forced us to actually have to look at things differently and create a slightly different environment for ourselves. Does it necessarily mean it's always a bad thing? I'm not sure it is. Are, are people, you know, losing income? They have. Have they lost their businesses? They have. And um, my heart bleeds for those people as well as those that have had to cancel their weddings or have not been able to attend their parents or their um, family or friends' funerals or be by their bedside in hospital. You know, there's so much darkness out there too. And it depends on our how you want to respond to things. So for me, you can either focus on the negative or we can have a look at what's what's achievable for ourselves. You know, that you, you can't always solve everybody else's problems. We can only just focus on ourselves and what we can positively contribute to life. And I think somehow, you know, for those that are experiencing challenging times is trying to always find the good in a bad situation and know that it will pass. All things shall, you know, good or bad shall shall pass and um you know if, I, if i'm a living breathing experience of you, you know seeing some um and, and, ex, and experiencing some traumatic times in my life i can guarantee you those experiences those feelings that you will have attached to those experiences uh, with the right love and support around you those two shall pass i agree wholeheartedly your message to the family and friends that have stood by you, the the men and women who have rallied around you over all of the things through your life, what would you want to say to them if you could have them all in one room right now? What would be your biggest things you would want to, to express to them from your heart? Oh, gosh. And there would be so many um, people um, not just in my inner circle, but the extended circle and then in our business network circle and, you know, right across the Sunshine Coast. Like I, you know, when, again, we were going through that awful period when uh, Laurie was initially diagnosed and we had to sell the business and the outpouring of, of people, um, it's what got us through. I remember um, the beautiful Mini Swan set up this private Facebook page, which didn't end up being so private. I think we ended up having three hundred people on that page that were all wanting to know and find out where we're at on that journey and it was it was that that feeling of um, connectedness um, that got us through that period so for me I am just so grateful and thankful of the outpouring of love and you don't have to go far to find it Um, it is right there on our doorstep and it can come in the complete form of a stranger it also comes in the form of those that are closest to you and um I know I wouldn't have gotten through that period without uh, knowing that it didn't, I could reach out to any particular person at any given time and I just knew they'd be there. You know, we had food turn up on our doorstep. We had, um, you know, cards that would turn up in the post. Um, We didn't always need, you know, words. It was just knowing that we had that love and support, you know, constantly surrounding us. So for me, I would say thank you from the bottom of my heart for helping me and my kids realize and know that there would be a life post um, that that difficult period and know that we were capable of anything. Um, when you have love in your heart and when you have love surrounding you, um, what do they say? Love is all that matters. And I, I, I truly believe that the times when you've got that self-doubt that you're not sure you can love yourself, you don't have to look too far to know that there's someone else that's right behind you giving you that little help and that hand up to um, propel you forward. Mm. So I would say thank you. I'm just incredibly grateful for um, those that have been right beside us, either silently or smack bang in the middle of our doorstep. You know, we, we wouldn't have gotten to where we are today without you. Oh, it's so beautiful. And I'm sure every single person listening to this who has been a friend or been in the person in that situation would just be so grateful to hear those words. Sometimes the reminder of that is just all we need to hear to remember how far we've come. And also to remind us that doesn't mean that there's not going to be challenges ahead of us, 
It's filling your tank with the resources and ability to get through them. And I think one of the greatest things you've always done is by filling other people's tanks and by always being there and of service to so many. It's then when you are in need, everybody, it's, there's no greater joy than giving that love back to someone who now may need a little bit more. My grandmother always said, if you're ever in doubt about who you are or what you're doing, serve others, give mm-hmm. to others. And I think that's something that um, will always come back to you, as you said, tenfold. I know we're coming to the end of our podcast and I, you know, you and I, we had a whole day together yesterday. We can, we'll never, ever get enough of one another. But as we come to a close, is there a piece of advice, apart from everything you've said today, is there any piece of advice you would give to the beautiful self-love podcast listener, someone who is really remarkable in their own right, but someone sometimes who goes through their own challenges, sometimes questioning who they are, sometimes doubting who they are. And as much as we know that love is all that matters it's very hard sometimes on those dark days to actually really keep pushing ourselves breathing ourselves through is there any other little piece of magic or any other little piece of advice you could give us if we just feel like we are stuck in a little rut right now Hmm. what would I say to that I would say that you are in your current form an amazing, beautiful human being and that you just have to trust that regardless of what you're going through or what you're experiencing or that emotion that you're going through right now, this very second or in this next thought, it's, it will all pass. If you've got any level of self-doubt um, or not feel that you're good enough or not feel that you have got the energy to be able to, to move forward, know that tomorrow is always a new day. I also say never make a decision of a night time. Never do it in the darkness. Make a decision when it's broad daylight, when you feel like you can be fully functioning and that no matter what you're experiencing, know that you are strong enough to be able to pull through with the love and support of those that you trust. And if you don't have someone, you can reach out and you can, again, you know, sort of see a GP. Um, You know, there are some fabulous people out there um, that, that are only too happy to help. And I think as a society as a whole, majority of people I meet um, or fortunate enough to meet are all giving people and good listeners so you know if you if there is some level of self-doubt or you're just not sure that you're making the right decision or you've got something that you're about to submit or there's something that you want to achieve and you're not quite sure whether or not you've got the ability to do it or the confidence to do it know that you can chat to you know chat to someone as I've said you know problem shared is a problem halved and you always feel better when you can get it off your chest and if you don't feel like you can talk to someone start writing it down journal your life away and it's amazing when you can get a thought out of your head and onto paper how lighter you feel know that you can get through anything um, again you know with the love and support of, of your family and friends and um yeah, I just wish everyone, every, every single person that's listening to today's podcast and all of Kim Morrison's podcasts is that you are good enough. You are always good enough and um, that anything in, in, in life is achievable um, if you believe in yourself. You're such a beautiful soul. Have you had any amazing books or other things that you've experienced that you could give to us, any names of anything that's worked for you apart from a good GP or good listeners and friends and family? Is there anything that's touched you over the years? Well, definitely you, Kim Morrison. Um, you know, you, you have written some amazing books. You, you, you know, the 28 range, the self-love that you've taught me in terms of that it is okay to, uh, you know, pr- provide time for yourself. And, um, you know, every time I give you a hug, you know, the beautiful scents that you're wearing, all of the, um, um, the beautiful lavenders that you provide, you know, I just know um, that those are such important invaluable gifts that you can um, share with others so in terms of books um, I'd have to get back to you on that one but I do recall I haven't read a book in quite a few years um, and I'll tell you why usually when I go on holidays I always pack two books with me and uh, I read them front to back without fail but with COVID we haven't been on any holidays for two years and with three kitties and three dogs and uh, you know a a wedding looming um, and a few other things that we've had going on I just haven't had the chance to read anything Um, but I did read a book uh, 
right in the height of when Laurie was experiencing his lowest um, state of being through the chemo period. And it was all about worry and how worry did nothing to achieve positive outcomes. In fact, if anything, it, it could potentially make situations worse. It could create sicknesses that you didn't already have. It created these views in your head that might not be there. So worry was a commodity that is just of zero value. Um, and again, as I said before, you know, you, we're always going to experience things, but to sit there and worry about it for too long is, is not going to achieve anything. So I can't remember the name of the book. I certainly can get back to you on that one, but it was a powerful book and it gave lots of different examples of where people had worried and over-worried how the, the, the outcomes um, worked against them. So, but in, in terms of other books, um, I, I unfortunately have not had a chance to read much of late and, um, yeah, I'm flat out turning on the TV of a night time. <laughs> always busy. I know, I know. And I think it's actually a beautiful reality to realise that we're all human and we don't always get to do the things that people say we're going to do. But I do know how much you've committed to your own self-worth and that is your runs, your walks, taking care of you, making sure you've got good food and getting outdoors and the love of those beautiful puppy dogs is also with that, with that brand new puppy that I just met yesterday is just too much. It's too much. So just to finish up, my beautiful friend, what would be your favourite quote or a quote that means a lot to you right now? Mm, look, I, I have a favourite one, but it's probably not broadcastable. Um, it certainly is a, can be abbreviated, but I probably wouldn't say that one. But, I, but having three young kids in this household and dogs and the crazy lifestyle that we lead and we're always on the go, and if you ask my kids what that, what the quote in our household is on a daily basis, regardless of what we're experiencing, it would very much be this. You get what you get and you don't get upset. And I think that carries across everything that we do here in in this um, in this in this household, the crazy household that we have. So you get what you get and you don't get upset. I think it's it works for us. Ebedaglini, you are one very special soul. It's a privilege to know you. I'm honoured to call you one of my dearest friends and it has been my absolute privilege and proud honour to share you on the Self Love Podcast. Thank you, sweetheart. Oh, thanks, Kim. Big loves to you too and I can't wait for our next catch-up. I love you so much. Thanks for listening to the Self Love Podcast. Be sure to write a review and share the love with your friends and family. And head over and visit Kim and her team at 28.com. That's the word 20 and the number 8.com. Take good care. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.